hey, I've got some really exciting news. We are returning. We're back on the road with The Shaleen Show Live. In conjunction with my book launch party, I am taping a live episode of The Shaleen Show at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on April 18th. Now, that is a Thursday. Pod Squad, I would love to meet you. This is going to be really special. I mean, they're all really special because I get to meet you and you guys get to meet each other and they're fun. And it's the ultimate girls night out. And fellas, if you were smart, you should come with your lady or you should come to find yourself the love of your life because I have the smartest, funnest, coolest, most amazing audience. And I can't wait for you guys to meet each other. So grab your tickets now. You can find them by going to shaleenshowlive.com. General admission starts at $39. And I don't know if they'll be available at the time that you're listening to this, but we did make just a few special seats available for people who basically want to spend the day with me and Brett and the team. You'll go to lunch with us. You'll hang out backstage. We'll pop some champagne. You'll help me pick out my outfit. We'll have a good time. You'll meet the drag queen who happens to be emceeing the show. Like, this is a once in a lifetime experience. Hey, don't wait. Go to shaleenshowlive.com and I will see you on Thursday, April 18th. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. With more than 25 years of experience in a variety of businesses, I promise to share with you the ins, the outs, my failures, and successes. And my goal is to share with you these social media money-making strategies to turn your idea into passive income. Every week, my son Brock and I will share with you perspectives that will serve you regardless of the stage that you're at in your business. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, mom, this one's all you. What's up? Hey, it's Shalene, and this is a crossover episode, which means it will appear on both Build Your Tribe and The Shalene Show. And today's episode is all about how to know if you're being a good parent. Okay, first, a true confession. I released this episode, or what was supposed to be this episode, earlier on the same day. But after I had recorded that episode, and I don't usually re-listen to my shows, but after I'd recorded that one, and I did it kind of off the cuff, I had this like weird, in the back of my mind, subconscious thought that maybe my message wasn't clear. And several times over the course of the next week after I'd recorded it, I kept thinking in the back of my mind, I should re-listen to that one and see if the message I wanted to come across, if that actually came across, because I just had this nagging feeling because a lot of times I don't use notes when I'm recording a podcast or I do, and then I go off them. And for that particular episode, I totally went off my notes. And I had recorded that episode in kind of an emotional state where I had just heard in great detail what a parent was doing that seemed, in my opinion, really self-serving. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, this person doesn't understand how this is going to impact their children later. And I just feel like being a parent is such a gift. It can sometimes become a soapbox for me. I sometimes get a little too riled up. My judgment and the way I was thinking and and the message I conveyed when I re-listened to it this morning, I was like, oh, wow, that's not the message I thought, or that's not the message I had intended to record. I could definitely hear that I was impassioned that day, and I still am, but I wasn't thinking about some of the other important messages that I, I needed to slip in here 
and I need to make sure you heard because you are a great parent. And I didn't do enough in that first episode to explain, you know, what makes a good parent? Like, how do you know if you're nailing it? And because I didn't do that, I just kind of made the assumption, well, yeah, like, you know, moms know that this is what makes you a good parent. This is what makes you, you know, probably create some problems for your child later. I, I didn't do those things. I just kind of like went right into what I believe is potentially damaging to your child. And so when I listened back to it, I'm like, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to have misplaced guilt, guilt for something they shouldn't have guilt over because they're doing a great job. So I want to start this off by helping you figure out, like almost give yourself a score. Like, are you doing a great job or not? And the reason why I wanted this on both podcasts is because I think all moms, all parents wonder if we're doing the right thing. But working parents and especially entrepreneurial parents, whoo, we can have some guilt. And I say entrepreneurial parents because for most people, if you have a job, it's like, okay, well, when I'm home, I'm done. I'm not still thinking about my job. Now, some people are, hi, hello there. How are you? Please come and work for me. That's the perfect employee. But that often results in guilt as a parent. But if you're an entrepreneur, you kind of have a hard time shutting that off like ever. So you can feel like you're working 80 plus hours a week, even when your children are there, even if you're working from home. And so the guilt for entrepreneurial parents or people who are trying to work a job and start a business like that guilt can be debilitating. So here I am. I reached out to Kristen, my podcast manager, and I said, okay, take both those episodes down ASAP. It's not the message I want for people to hear. And this is too important to get it wrong. I need to redo this. I, I need to go grab my notes and I need to do this in a calm and open state of mind because this is a really important topic. Because if you're a parent, you worry about this. You can call it mom guilt. You can call it doubting yourself. It's really important. And that's why we're always wondering if we're getting it right. Today, I'm going to help you figure out if, in fact, you are getting it right, not based on my opinion or my principles or my morals, although I'm going to share some of those with you as well, but based on how your parenting has the potential to positively or negatively impact your child's future as an adult. First, let's just get this out of the way. Whether you are staying at home or working outside the home or working in the home or wherever you are making money or not making money, that does not determine whether or not you should have guilt as a parent or not. And it also does not determine whether or not you're a good parent or not. You can be a good parent whether you're in the home or out of the home. That in and of itself does not make you a good parent or a bad parent. Every single one of us knows a stay-at-home mom who is destroying her kids. You know, she's staying home with her kids. She's with them 24-7, but these kids are going to be so freaking messed up. And we all know parents who work or own their own business, and they're doing an unbelievable job of raising incredible kids. Okay, story time. When we had our first child, our oldest child, Brock, Brett and I were pretty young. You know, we're in our uh, late 20s at this time. I quit my job as a paralegal when I got pregnant. Actually, I think shortly after we got married, I quit that job. But now we had a child, and I was working my personal training business and teaching classes, and just in the infancy stages of developing a company called Powder Blue Productions. I was developing these standardized or pre-choreographed workouts for myself and for other instructors. Eventually, we were able to build a certification company, and 
certified instructors all across the globe. But this is in our, in our early days. So I'm a personal trainer and I teach classes and I'm building this little business on the side and I'm a new mom. <laughs> At this early stage in our marriage, Brett was done playing football. He was still doing a little bit of coaching of football on the side, just a little bit. And he was working full time for a friend of his. Not necessarily a career job. He was helping a friend doing dispatch on the phone, like telling drivers where they needed to go, et cetera. He didn't love his job, but he got to go in really, really early every day. I think he started like at 5 a.m. And then he was home by like two o'clock. So that's when I would take all of my personal training clients because we had this belief, not just a belief, we agreed that we wanted if at all possible, one or both of us to be with our kids and to avoid doing babysitters if we could. And we did that because we believed, you know, no one can parent your kids like you can, number one. And number two, we couldn't afford a babysitter. So even though it was really stressful to do that kind of tag teaming thing, and that doesn't work for all parents, there came a time when we were so broke, I really needed to start taking on more clients than those people who were available after 5 p.m. Because let's face it, how many clients can you do after 5 p.m.? And then I started feeling guilty that I wasn't home with my husband during those hours. And then when I did get home, I would work until late into the night developing my business. So there was never time for us to really connect. So I had a lot of guilt during that time. The guilt that I experienced was because what I was doing didn't match up with my own beliefs. It wasn't because of what society told me to do. It was, this was not how I had envisioned raising my child. So I had a choice to make. And I'm going to share with you that choice. But before I do, let's talk about guilt for a moment. So guilt isn't a bad thing. Guilt can be a good thing. Guilt is often our subconscious telling us that something isn't right. Something doesn't match up. Guilt can often hold us accountable to our own beliefs and our own ethics. I would hope that you feel something in your conscience that tells you you've done wrong if you're knowingly doing something that is not in someone else's best interest and you know it's going to hurt someone. If you're knowingly hurting someone, I would hope you have some guilt. Otherwise, you're probably a sociopath. If you watch interviews with sociopaths, even after they've murdered 10 people, they really don't have much guilt. Because you're a person who has a conscience, you have guilt. However, sometimes it is misplaced guilt, meaning it's guilt that you've taken on, not because of your values, but because you feel as though maybe you're not living up to other people's values. Like maybe your mother-in-law expects that you know how to sew your children's clothing and you know you feel a little guilty that you don't even know how to sew. Or you feel guilty because it's the expectation of all the moms in your neighborhood that you're supposed to walk your child to school, but that's not something that you think is that important. You would rather take the time to make them breakfast and, and opt for carpooling instead. Misplaced guilt is pretty easy to identify. It's that feeling that other people are judging you and that you're not living up to an expectation, but it's not your own expectation. If it is your own expectation, even there, sometimes we have misplaced guilt because we've placed expectations on ourselves that are unreasonable. They don't even make sense and they don't align or they don't take into consideration all the other things we need to think about, all the other things that we're doing right. Back to the story. So I'm feeling guilt. I feel guilty that I'm not spending time with my husband. I feel guilty that he's working all day and coming home and I'm 
handing over to him a really stressed out baby who was incredibly colicky. And Brock, God bless you. He was a, what do they call them? A sensitive child. He was difficult as a baby. And I would just turn him over to Brett, who didn't have the greatest patience back then. And I would run off. And even though I was earning our family money or, or contributing, I felt really guilty because in my mind, I had what was really important to me was being in a healthy, loving marriage. And I wasn't seeing my husband, number one. And I didn't feel like I was being a good mom. I really didn't. I wasn't there for the bathing and the nighttime feedings and some of those things that I felt like I needed to do. Now, this period of time didn't last very long because that guilt was telling me that my actions weren't lining up with my own expectations. So I could continue on and just believe that that was my only choice. Or I could say, what else could we do? What other options are available to us? And that's what we did. We examined what else we could do so that our behavior and our lives were more closely aligned with our values. What that looked like for us was eliminating some of the evening classes that I was teaching and instead taking Brock to childcare with me so that he was going into the childcare room during the hour that I was teaching my classes. Now that's a trade-off, right? The trade-off was it gave me an extra hour with my husband and I could justify it or I felt like it was the right thing to do because then Brock was socializing with other children, other kids, even though he was really young then. And then here's the other thing that I did. Instead of doing all of my clients at night, we agreed to use family members, specifically grandma, to watch Brock for us about three hours a day, two days a week. Those six hours a week that he was with grandma allowed me to get in four hours of personal training revenue, four hours of personal training revenue that wasn't spent away from my husband. That meant I could use that time to be with my husband and we could co-parent together at night. And I scheduled those clients during the time which Brock was napping. Now, that's not always like an exact science. If you want your kids to go down at a certain time, you can pretty much guarantee that they won't. But the majority of the time that he was at grandma's house, he was sleeping. I mean, grandma's house was wonderful and she's a great influence, but I wanted to be there for every single moment. So I just felt better personally. I felt better about doing personal training while he was napping. That's just me. I felt much better about it. Was it difficult to find clients who could train in the middle of the day? Yeah, it was, but it was worth the sacrifice because then I didn't feel that guilt. I felt really good about the situation. And if he wasn't sleeping, it was grandma. So it was a decision that we made that was what we believed was in our child's best interest while also taking into consideration our financial situation and the health of our marriage. The guilt we often experience as parents is because we are so hard on ourselves and we look at everybody else and also we feel guilt because we, we know this is really important and we want to get it right. So let me help you assess if, in fact, the guilt that you have is appropriate or not, right? Because as I've said, guilt can sometimes be a sign from your conscience that you need to make some sacrifices or make some changes or do things a little differently. And the funny thing about parenting is that we all know someone who had like the world's worst parents. Like they should have their heads pinched off. They shouldn't have even been allowed to have a child Nonetheless, thank goodness they did because here you are. And these lousy parents who were the worst parents on the planet still produced 
an incredible human being, which might be you or one of your best friends. Like some of my friends had the worst parents and the worst parenting, but they still turned out to be amazing humans. So even if you're doing a lousy job as a parent, you can still produce some pretty amazing humans. But I think we can all agree that we'd like to do our part. We'd like to minimize the likelihood that we're going to mess up our kid. And we'd like to increase the chances that they turn out okay. And nowhere has this been studied as thoroughly as in the area of psychology. So based on that, we've got a pretty good sense of what it means to be a good parent. First, you need to create an environment that feels safe, an environment that doesn't just feel safe, an environment that is safe, that's fun, that's creative, that's loving. You need to be a good parent by modeling. Are you modeling healthy behaviors? Are you modeling what it means to be in a healthy relationship? Are you modeling that? Are you modeling to your children how to resolve disagreements in a way that's loving and patient? I mean, (laughs) come on, all couples argue, all couples have disagreements, but are you teaching your child what a loving disagreement looks like, how to argue with respect. I mean, you can do this at work, right? You, you don't agree with all of your coworkers. You don't agree with all of your friends, but you do so hopefully in a very loving, kind, uplifting, accepting kind of way. Are you teaching your child how to do that in a loving relationship? Are you allowing your kids to see that parents should work as partners? What it means to be a good friend, what it means to be a healthy friend, Are you role modeling to your children healthy habits, like being organized, like making your bed every day, like, I mean, not that if your bed is unmade, it makes you a bad parent, but you know what I'm saying? Like, are you showing them, not just telling them, are you teaching them by role modeling what it means to be a good communicator, to listen? Are you role modeling acceptance, acceptance of others, acceptance of people's Differences? Are you role modeling to them self-love and kindness? And remember, role modeling these things means that this is how you're living, not just what you're saying, because kids, they're paying attention to what you're doing, not just what you're saying. Do your actions and behaviors reflect your values? Because if you say that you value family over money or over work, but all you're doing is working and you've got plenty of money and you're still working, And now you're laying a guilt trip on your kids. Like, you know, do you think I want to work this many hours? How do you guys think you get to go to that nice school and wear those nice shoes? Your behaviors and your words need to reflect your values. Are you teaching your children what it means to have appropriate boundaries, boundaries with other people, that you need principles and ethics? And then are you are you living by them? Are you showing them what you should say no to and what you should say yes to? And and remember that what you say yes to You're telling your children that that's a priority to you. And what you're saying no to or what you're not doing is telling your children that that thing is less important. Now think about that for a second, because this is the reason why I wanted to make this podcast. When you say yes to something, an opportunity, additional work, it's okay to say yes to that, but just Recognize that whenever we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. So you've got to strike that balance. And and what you're saying no to needs to align with your values and principles. And if it doesn't, that's why you feel off. You might feel guilt. And maybe it's appropriate guilt. I'm not here to tell you what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And I will tell you what, not just mine, but like Brett and I, what we agreed our values and principles were when it came to parenting. That went in writing. We had a 
priority clarity statement. And in writing, we determined and outlined what it was we believed was in the best interest of our children. And oftentimes that meant saying no to opportunities that might bring us more fame, more money, and more opportunities. But we were saying no to those things and yes to our kids because we had enough money. Now, I might have said yes to some of those things if that was the only means by which we had to support ourselves or if I had a scarcity mindset and believed I wouldn't have opportunities later in life. The one opportunity we knew we wouldn't get later in life was the opportunity to parent our kids. And we had enough money and we had enough comfort and nice things because we figured out a way. This is just what was right for us. We figured out a way, and oftentimes it meant making sacrifices and being way more creative and being more patient, but we figured out a way to do things that allowed us to say yes to our kids, and that often meant saying no to things that we would have really liked to do. Like There's that fear of missing out that we're able to do those things now, but at the time, we said no to them so that we could say yes to our kids, so that we could be at pickup after school so that we could be at the awards assembly so we could be at practice so we could be at all the games so that we could meet their friends and be there for homework and we could be there and i think a lot of people see others of notoriety people who are making it you know they're they're crushing it in their business you see them making moves you see them staying late at work and getting the promotion or you see them getting these opportunities or their social media growing really fast or their business getting all of these accolades or on the cover of that magazine or or on this podcast or you know launching this new product you see the fruits of their labor you see them saying yes to all these opportunities right they're they're going places and they're doing things and they're saying yes to all these opportunities and they have kids or maybe they don't. But either way, it doesn't matter whether they have kids or not. Don't compare yourself to that individual. Don't think that you're supposed to be doing what they're doing unless, of course, your principles around parenting match theirs. What you say yes to needs to match your principles. And if it does, you shouldn't have any guilt. If you want to work 80 hours a week and you've got kids and you think that Maybe an aunt or a caregiver or someone else is better to be with your children, then that's your decision. You shouldn't have any guilt over that if that's what's right for you. That would not be right for me. I would experience a lot of guilt over that. But clearly, a lot of women and men too don't feel guilt over this. I mean, I had a really interesting conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk about this very topic. He literally said, I, I need to work. Like, this is in my DNA. Okay, so I'm going to play for you a little clip of my interview with him. And in full transparency, this was from a clip we did together in 2015. And I asked him, because we, we were basically talking about hustle and family and like, when is it enough? And, you know, how do you measure the fact that you've, you've got enough money and you've got enough fame against the fact that you also have a family? And I, I asked him, what would your wife want? What would your family want? And here's his reply. So, you know, I haven't heard much about your wife's perspective on that, but what would you assume she would wish you would do less of or more of? She would wish that I would spend less time working and spend more time with her and the family. I mean, it's the, you know, I mean that, you know, because the answer to that question is, and this is why we're husband and wife, she, she'd want that to be every minute of our lives. And, and by the way, I don't. You don't want. I, I want to do this. My, mm-hmm. and, and what's, what makes my relationship work is we communicate a ton about this. And I don't wish that I spent more time with my family 
And I do wish that I spent more time with my family. And I'm being very honest with everybody. Let me explain that because I want people to understand. Good, because that's confusing. Yeah, it's really easy to unconfuse. Like, if I wanted to spend more time with my family, I would spend more time with my family. Ouch. Like, like and please, let, 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 let's let's break this down. Please. I'm taking seven full weeks of vacation a year, completely checked out. I'm taking every single weekend completely checked out. Hmm. I, I don't think people hear that. I'm spending an outrageous amount of time with my family, especially considering how I'm positioned as a hustler in the marketplace, right? It's just that every other minute that I'm not doing those things, I am all, it's not how much I spend with them or not spend with them. It's when I'm not spending it with them, I am working at an insane pace of 7 a.m. to midnight, right? So I think that, you know, we all want to do things. We all, you know, grass is always greener, right? When I'm on a connecting flight to Oklahoma City like yesterday, you don't think I want to be in the backyard in the Hamptons with my son throwing around the ball? I mean, get out of here. But when, you know, after the end of a long weekend on a Sunday, if you don't think I'm jonesing to get back into the action, I am. It's just the truth. I can't, I can't lie against my DNA. And he shouldn't. I mean, it sounds to me like the way Gary Vaynerchuk is living his life is in accordance with his ethics and its values. I, I believe that he believes this is in the best interest of his kids. You know, I think he likes who he is. He's a confident man. And I think most people would agree. He's also turned out very successful. And this is kind of how he was raised. I mean, earlier in the interview, he kind of shares how he, he never even saw his father pretty much because he, he worked so much um, until I think he said he was something like 12 years old and went to work with his dad. But so that's kind of how he was raised. And so it is his belief, his ethics his values, that this is the right way to raise his children. And, and so there should be no guilt, nor should there be judgment, right? If that's right for him, he shouldn't have any guilt. Those are his values. My values are different than his. It doesn't mean one's right or wrong. It's just my values and my views around parenting are different. I said no, not to my children. I said no to opportunities. I said no to speaking engagements. I said no to additional income opportunities. And sometimes I said yes. I I said yes in places where maybe other parents wouldn't have said yes. But for me, it was based on the combined agreement that Brett and I both had about what parenting needed to look like for us. So we would say yes if we could find a way for one or both of us to be with the kids. We said yes to things that allowed us to work from home. We said yes to things that might take a little bit longer, but they gave us the freedom and the flexibility to cancel if we needed to. We said yes to things that maybe would take us away once a month for one night or one weekend. We did one project per month. And by project, I mean, that didn't mean we were flying somewhere necessarily. That meant That meant we said yes to one thing that would take even our ability to be present because it was a big project and it would take away our ability to be present for the children. We would say yes to one per month and no to the others. But I also said yes to many things that I was working on in the home and in doing so, in effect, I was saying no to being present for my children sometimes and I had to strike the balance that felt right for me. Are you teaching your children that they can trust? They can trust themselves and they can trust other people. Are you teaching them that honesty will not be punished? Are you teaching your children how to be independent? Or 
are you doing everything for them? Because you think that makes you a better parent. Like if you're picking out your kids' clothes and they're old enough to get dressed, even if everything's mismatched and doesn't make any sense and they look like a mess, if you're picking out their clothes for them, you're telling them that A, you don't trust them, B, they can't handle it themselves. Are you allowing them to sort through their problems, fight their own battles, offering them support, being there for them, that soft place to land, but also teaching them, you got this, you can handle this, and you're going to make the right decision. And if you don't, guess what? No big deal. Are you teaching your kid that it's okay to fail? (laughs) Because if you don't, if you don't allow your child to fail, to mess up miserably, to get a poor grade on their science project and not experience your wrath, like if a child puts forth effort, they should be rewarded for their effort, not the outcome. Because if you want them to be successful as adults, you've got to teach them that failure is just part of it. That's how we get better. That you can fix things. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to be punished for making a mistake. So many children who were raised by parents who had expectations of perfection, like perfect grades and perfect behavior and perfect appearance, those are the people paralyzed by perfection and overanalysis as an adult. Those are the people who cannot pull the trigger. And they don't realize because subconsciously they were taught, if you mess up, you're going to be in trouble. Are you creating a safe environment where your child is protected, where you're doing your due diligence to make sure that, you know, you can't protect them from everything. And you have to understand that there's a certain element of risk just in being alive. But are you helping them to understand you can trust people And especially if you're just aware. And the greatest thing you can teach a child is to listen to their own intuition, that their voice matters. Now, a child who doesn't have a voice, who doesn't have an opinion, who isn't listened to, who is simply dictated to, that child doesn't learn to listen to their intuition because they're taught they can't trust their own intuition. Are you teaching your child what it means and why why it's important to be organized and neat and to create some organization in their life, in their bedroom, in their homework, in their backpack? Are you teaching them why that's an advantage to them? Are you allowing your child to make decisions for themselves, even if it's a decision that might turn out perfectly? Like you're allowing them to make that decision and also explaining to them, okay, so here are your two choices. And by the way, P.S. parents, you need to be okay with both choices if you're explaining them to them those choices, but then allowing them to make that choice. So for example, You don't want to say to your child, okay, you're either going with me or you're going to stay here by yourself, which that's not really a choice, right? Because you're not really going to let a child who's under whatever age, 13, 12, stay home by themselves. You're not going to allow that or nine, whatever. But we, we say these things, these threats, like you're coming with me or you're staying at home. No, they're not staying at home. And they know that too. So you really haven't given them a choice. A choice might be, Are you coming with me by walking out the door on your own or are you coming with me and I will carry you out? There's your choice, you know, so you can pick. But you're giving the child a choice. Or you can wear that outfit to school if you want. Now, it doesn't necessarily match. So you could change your shirt and your outfit could match. Or you could wear this outfit, which is really unique, but just know that some kids might say something and you're just going to have to deal with it. It's no big deal but just helping them to make an informed decision instead of controlling the outcome. Are you teaching them how to be curious about other people, how to ask questions? Are they learning that you believe anything is possible for yourself? Because if you don't believe anything's possible for yourself, even if you're saying those words like, hey, anything's possible, but you're you're not acting as if that's the case, then 
What they're learning is what you're doing, not what you're saying. Are you around enough to help them develop a secure attachment so that they know they can count on the people who love them? Do they feel loved? Are you teaching them how good and how natural it is to be vulnerable, to be affectionate, to be loving, to be kind, to give people compliments, and to openly express gratitude and love and affection for the people that you care about? Are you raising them in an environment that is free from violence and fear? Are you teaching them that violence and fear are never acceptable in a relationship, even if it's a child-parent relationship? Because if you're teaching them, mom loves you, but you better fear me. Dad loves you, but you better expect violence if you don't behave. Then that's what in many cases they learn or believe they should accept as an adult. Do your children believe that they are enough? Do your children believe they have to be the best in order to have your love and affection? Do they think they need to get straight A's and be dressed perfectly and to behave perfectly in order to have your praise, to have your love and affection? Do they believe that they're enough? Or are you teaching them because it's just habit, like the words that are coming out of your mouth are sometimes the same things your parents said to you. Are you teaching them It's not good enough. And even when it is perfect, well, that's what was expected. Are you giving them full reign to be uniquely who God created them to be? Are you pushing or putting expectations onto them, even just in the way that they know that they can get your attention and your approval? Is that sending them the message that they have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or wear makeup or not wear makeup or wear their hair a certain way or hang out with a certain group of people or play a certain sport? in order to have your approval. You're trying to force them to do things because you think it's going to make you look better as a parent or because you never got to play football or because you never followed through. So you're forcing them to do these things that they don't even want to do. You're trying to force them into a career or force them to go to a certain school or or even dictating that they have to go to college. They're 18 years old and they don't want to do that. Are you giving them the freedom to fail and also teaching them the tools so that they know how to get themselves out of a jam when they're in a jam, that if they fail, they can fix it. They don't have to rely on other people. They have what they need in order to support themselves. Like, are you teaching your children that now? Because if you are, A+. plus. Like, if you're doing your best to do what you believe is best, there shouldn't be any guilt. But if you know you're not doing your best, if you know that your actions and the way that you're behaving and the way that you're living your life doesn't match up with your true beliefs about what it means to be a great parent, well, then that guilt is well-placed. Sorry, truth bomb. You know, everyone's so quick to say, no one should make you feel guilty. I agree, but sometimes the guilt we feel is our conscience trying to tell us something. It's our job to influence our children, to give them the best possible chance. And in order to have influence, we need time and attention. In order to influence your child, you need to be present and around them enough to have an influence on them. How much time? That's up to you. There's lots and lots of people out there who are of the mindset that it is quality over quantity, and that is your decision. I think it's pretty clear for Brett and I, it was both. And we we knew we had a limited amount of time with them and we wanted to eat up every single possible second of that. But that's also kind of how our parents were, you know? And so we just believe that was in their best interest. Let's talk about some things now that if you're doing these things, you need to check yourself. <laughs> and this isn't my opinion, 
From a psychological standpoint, the following are poor parenting traits. These are the type of parenting habits and traits that produce anxiety, depression, and all kinds of problems. Oh, my child is so resilient. Once that so resilient child is an adult, that's when these problems surface. So what are they? Okay, number one, competing with your kids. Either you're competing with them, like they can do well, but they can't outdo what you've ever done. Like this narcissism where you want to keep them down. Ridiculing children, belittling them, teasing them, calling them names, embarrassing a child, shaming a child. Doing comparisons, comparisons between your child and a sibling, your child and another kid on the team, your child and yourself. Uh, minimizing their dreams, their hopes, discouraging them, telling them that they need to have limiting beliefs, you know, that we don't do those kinds of things. Our family isn't made of money. Our family doesn't do that. Everyone in our family is poor or everybody in our family is overweight or the women in our family all get divorced. You're giving them limiting beliefs. Talking about your child's appearance, positive or negative, Too much talk about appearance, even those subtle little digs like, oh, honey, are you sure you want to eat that? Are you sure you want to wear that? That hurts. Teaching them that they can't trust themselves by being a helicopter parent, tying your kid's shoes, picking out their clothes long after they can do it themselves, which frankly, you'd be surprised how young a child can actually do this. Hovering over them, not allowing them to make mistakes. And figuring out that like, hey, we're going to survive this. Just be honest. Tell me what happened. We'll figure it out. Letting them figure it out. Not going in to talk to their teachers to see if they can get a higher grade. Oh my gosh. You did not do that. You did not do that. You didn't. You did? No. No. You can't fix life for your kids. They're going to have to go out into the world and fix these things themselves. So you're not doing yourself any favors. You know what you're doing? You're giving them anxiety. Because they are so nervous now that they won't be able to handle things themselves because mom always handled it for them or dad always fixed things. Are you treating them like they matter less than your new boyfriend or your new relationship or your job? Are you teaching them through your actions that what's more important to you is how many followers or interactions you have on social media or how much notoriety or how much money you have? And maybe you're saying to them family first, but your behavior And the way you're living your life is teaching them that that's not true. Are you teaching them that they are less important? Are you placing blame on them because of the guilt you have for working hard? Are you saying things like, you're grateful and you're spoiled and you're a brat? Like, oh my gosh, any name calling, please. Any name calling, you need to check yourself right now. Every time you call your child a name or even when you say, You're acting like a fill in the blank, which I know, I know sometimes it's hard, but you're the adult. That creates a scar so deep that it will literally take a thousand attaboys to repair it. Are you blaming your anxiety and your stress on your child, telling them like, well, I wouldn't have to work this hard if it wasn't for fill in the blank. Like, are you placing so much guilt on them instead of allowing them to be a child? Are you rewarding negative behaviors? Like yelling at your child just reinforces behaviors. It doesn't stop negative behaviors. It's a reinforcement. Anything that you see happening over and over and over again in response to the way that you're reacting means how you're reacting is reinforcing that behavior. If you've taught your children 
that mom's not serious until she starts screaming and yelling, or we don't have to pay attention to dad until he's really angry. Well, you've taught your child to ignore you when you're calm, that you don't really mean it when you say, I'm going to tell you once. Anger, yelling, screaming, name-calling, losing your temper, these are all habits that reinforce negative behaviors. Are you afraid to show your child affection? Are you saying, I love you, and hugging them every single day? Are they seeing you acting in a way that is loving and kind towards their other parent? Even if you're divorced, are they hearing you speak positively? Or are they hearing you pick out all the negative, the negative about other people? Do they see you complaining? Do they hear you complaining? Or do they see you being affectionate and loving and saying I love you to other people and hugging and showing how much gratitude you have for other people? Or are you role modeling that you can't trust anyone, that everyone's out to screw you, to get you, and you've, you can't trust anyone, and that the only person that you can rely on is yourself? Listen, I, I know some of these are difficult questions. They're difficult questions for me to reflect on today, even with Sierra now being 18 and Brock being 21. You know, I have to think back and go, okay, could I have done a better job? And because this is such an important thing to me, parenting, I can be hard on myself. I don't think I did a perfect job. I think we did, however, do our best. And we took it very seriously. We went to conferences on parenting. We read books. We listened to podcasts. We bought audio trainings and we worked at it. And we gave those books to our friends and we practiced them. And we, we believed, and still to this day, it is our belief that there's nothing more important than getting the parenting piece right. I think from a legacy standpoint, if you focus on raising children who feel a certain way, it's not that they dress a certain way or look a certain way, that they feel a certain way. And how we make people feel affects how they show up in the world. And by legacy, I mean the way your child feels will affect the way your grandchild feels and the way they treat other people. And that has a trickle-down effect into society. And, and that makes for better people and a better world and people who are more loving and caring and kinder and self-sufficient and people who believe in themselves do great things. And so, you know, we had such a short window to get this right. And it is really important. I don't think there's anything more important than getting the parenting piece right. But that is our belief. Those were our beliefs. And we also believe. I want to get this out there. Getting this right has nothing to do with whether you're an entrepreneur, working from home, working for someone else, or not working, or working in the home as a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. It's not what you do for a living or not. It's what you're showing your child. It's what you're demonstrating. It's what you're role modeling for your child that matters more than anything. Final comments on parent guilt is this. Figure out what's important to you. What are your priorities? What are your values? What matters most when you think about the type of adult you're trying to raise? And then take a look at how you're living your life and ask yourself if it lines up with your values and your principles. Because if it does, don't let anybody else make you feel guilty. But if it doesn't, find a way. Because there is a way. You're creative. You're resourceful. You're determined. You care about this. And if it doesn't line up and you're feeling guilt, that might just be your conscience telling you, 
It's time to re-examine. You don't have to do things the way your parents did or anyone else for that matter. You need to do things according to your own principles, your own values, and there is a way. So don't give up. It might take a little bit longer, but nothing feels better than doing what's right. Hey, thanks for giving me this opportunity to re-record this episode. It was really important to me to get it right. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it's relieved some guilt or it's giving you the opportunity to reflect on some areas where you could make some changes. You got to get this right. It is that important. I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with someone you love. Thanks for subscribing. Just double check and make sure that you're subscribed to both shows, The Shaleen Show and Build Your Tribe because they're both really important shows. And in fact, we've just formed a new group on Facebook just for Shaleen Show and Build Your Tribe listeners. It's called The Pod Squad. All you have to do is go to Facebook, search Shaleen's Pod Squad. You'll be asked a secret question just so we can make sure you're actually a listener and not a troll. And you'll be in the group and it's fun. It's kind of like a book club where we get to discuss topics. And I think this is going to be one a lot of us will be talking about. In fact, we should start with this one. All right, so jump in that group and let's carry on with this discussion. All right, that's it for today. I love you, I mean it, and I'll talk to you soon.